Let's open our Bibles back to the book of Ephesians that we have been in for months now. And we're starting the last chapter, chapter number six. Remember the first three chapters dealt with doctrinal truth. Now the last three chapters are dealing with duty, truth that speaks to our duty, things that we are to do. We're in the section where he is speaking to each person of the family. We go back up to verse number 21 where it tells us that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we remember we looked at verse 18 that we are to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? The Spirit is not a substance. The Spirit is not something that fills us like a liquid would fill a glass. The Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. The Spirit is a person. And we are to be under the influence of the Spirit. He tells us not to be under the influence of strong drink in verse 18 of chapter 5. Don't be drunk with wine, which is in excess or debauchery. But be under the influence of the Spirit. And if you are under the influence of the Spirit, there will be three things in your life. Verse number 19, there will be a song in your heart. Verse number 20, there will be thankfulness in your heart. And in verse 21, there will be a submissive spirit in your heart. And you will submit one to another. Now, he immediately goes into the family. He speaks in verse number 22, wives. We've looked at that. He speaks in verse 25, husbands. We looked at that last time. Now we are looking at verse number 1 of chapter 6. He names children. Then in verse number 4, which we'll look at next week, he speaks to fathers in the rearing of the children. Of course, the mothers uh, are a part of that. But he speaks to the fathers, the head of the house. And then in verse number 5, he speaks about slaves or bond servants or in our context, in our world today, uh, employees on your job are to be submissive to the higher-ups. And then in verse number 9, masters, or in our context, that would be bosses. Bosses are to be submissive to their employees. 
Do you see there is a mutual submissiveness? The wives are to submit to their husbands. The husbands are to love their wives, which is a even higher matter of submission. Just as Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us, the church. And we are to love our wives like that. And no better example of submission is Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who submitted himself to wicked hands to crucify him. No one took his life, but he lay it down. He didn't fight. He didn't resist. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died on the cross for us. So, we've dealt with wives. We've dealt with husbands. Now we come to children. Immediately, you might think about your kids. But let me remind you, all of us are children. You might be an adult now, but we're still children. Some of you still have living parents, and if they're departed, still you are a child of someone. But here, of course, he is speaking of children in the household and how that children have a responsibility to obey. And the the simple title of my message this morning is Children, Obey Your Parents. Let's read verse 1, 2, and 3. This is the word of God. Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Three verses that we will consider this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, give us insights, help us to see more than we've ever seen before concerning this, these relationships. I pray that even though we deal with children today, that you'll speak to the wives, the mothers, that you'll speak to the fathers, that you'll speak to us, and especially the children that are in our hearing in this service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
James Montgomery Boyce, who was the famed pastor of the 10th Street Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, he stated in his book on Ephesians, dealing with this subject here, he says, It is a conviction of mine that no man has a right to tell other people how to raise their children until he has children of his own and has tried to raise them. He goes on to say, as a corollary, I am convinced that no wise man will give advice even then until his own children have grown up and turned out well. Everybody's got advice. Everybody has an opinion. And many that do not have children pontificate on what children and what families should do and shouldn't do. Now, if a pastor did not have any children, that should not stop him from preaching the word and teaching the word. But do you understand the vein of thought that Boyce was speaking, that it's easy to look at people Look at children, look at young people, and make all kind of assessments. But it is different when you've got children, and you've got teenagers, and you've got maybe problems, or you might have difficulties that try your soul with your children. I agree to a point with what he said. I've known some unmarried men, Bible teachers, who gave a lot of advice. And people used to buck about this particular one, that he's not even married, doesn't even have any children. Yet he speaks as an expert in this matter. Don't get me wrong. An unmarried person, person doesn't have kids, is to teach and preach what the word says, but be careful beyond that. This morning I want us to think about this matter of children, who they are, just like we looked at wives, and I told you about wives before we got into the instructions that he gives here. I told you about husbands, you know, the house bands, that's where the name husbands come from. But now, children. Now, you might not have children. There are those that are married Maybe for a short time or a long time that God has not given them children. And so you say, well, this is not applicable to me. But yes, it is. It is applicable to you.
children. Where's the first time we see children? Where is the first time this species of humanity comes into existence? Remember, we look back in Genesis about wives, where they came from. They came from the man, the rib. We know where the man, the husband, came from. Direct creation of God formed him of the dirt, the dust of the earth, formed a perfect body. But it didn't move until God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. So we looked at where they came from. Why don't we look just for a second back in Genesis chapter 4, the first child that comes into the world. Genesis 4. There are four things that I am going to point out to you in Ephesians 6. This is the first one. The children that we receive. Paul speaks here, children. So, before we get into the children's responsibility and all that's involved there, let's, let's think about parents. The children that God has given us. The children that... We have received. It says there in chapter 4, this is after the fall in chapter 3, and the consequences of the fall are mentioned in chapter 3, and in particular that in pain, awful pain, you will bring children into the world. Now, Chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam, he's a male, knew Eve, she's a female, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, first child born in history. And what did she say? She said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. She recognized the son that she had, the Cain, the son, the firstborn in the world, that God gave her that son. But something had to happen before she had the child, the first child. What had to happen? Well, in the first few words of verse number 1 of chapter 4, Adam knew Eve, his wife. Now that word knew or know is a very important word all through the Bible. 
You remember that important Sermon on the Mount, closing arguments Jesus gave, and he said, there are going to be many in that day who will stand before me and say, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name and done many wonderful works and we have cast out devils in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me. I never what? I never knew you. Jesus said many in that day. They say, we know you, Jesus. We preached in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We did many wonderful works in your name. Jesus, we know you. But what's important? Does Jesus know you? You say, well, Jesus knows everything. He is omniscient. He's not talking about mental knowing. The word know, as found the first time here, means a personal, intimate relationship. Adam knew Eve, and she conceived. Do you understand what it's talking about? It's talking about that one, Adam, male, and that one, Eve, female, anatomy, they were opposites. God made them opposites. God made them different. God made one to receive and one to enter. This is basic understanding of biology and about relationships and birth of children. They were complementary of each other. Back a few weeks ago when we looked at wife, remember we looked back and I'll not turn to it now, but it says God made Eve fit for Adam. A help me, fit for him, a perfect fit in their anatomies that they would be able to conceive and bring forth children. You've all said it, you've all gone to the store and you had to get a fitting or something and you... Tell them what you want, and they say, well, do you need the male or the female? This is a hardware store, and you asking me gender items, male or female? It piqued my curiosity, and I looked on the Internet and did some searches, and I found a plastics company, and this plastics company was explaining how that they have certain uh, fittings and components. Um, they were talking about how that you have to have 
opposites to make a fitting. The male fitting must go into the female fitting for it to click, for it to mate. If you leave that hardware store with two male fittings and get back to fixing whatever you were trying to fix, it's not going to work. It has to be that which it was made for, that connection of the water line or whatever it might have been, what might be. There has to be that fitting. So... They were talking about fasteners and other things, how that there had to be these opposite pieces that they made in this plastic factory. And then they had to make the fitting, that which fit, with it. This is what is being spoke of here with the first man and the first woman. But what we see here is the first child born in the world and Eve is excited and she says I have gotten me a man I have gotten a man of course it's with the help of the Lord God has to open the womb and God gives the child but I think it's very important that we think about the first child, of course, Cain. And Cain was the one who killed his brother, Abel. See verse number 2, and again she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. Now we'll not go any further in that story, but this is the first child born. Let's go back to Ephesians. Each of us who have children. I remember our first child. Josh is not here this morning. He's um, was vomiting during the night, not feeling well. Celeste and I had been married two years. On our anniversary, our second anniversary, Joshua Lee Queen was born. I was 20, Celeste was 21. What a difference that made in my life. Couldn't believe it. I've got a son I, holding that little boy in my arms. It made a difference in my life having a child. It immediately makes you think of responsibility. It makes you think of providing. It makes you think of protecting. And each little child that God gave us is a gift from the Lord. 
And as we'll see next week, we parents have, be careful how we deal with our children. But think about the children that we receive. I was thinking about Ephesians, and I was thinking about the city of Ephesus, and I wondered, was Ephesus under Roman rule in the Roman Empire? And I found out that Ephesus was a free city, but still under Roman control. They could coin their own, uh, mint their own coins, but they were under Roman control. And so the Roman ideas concerning children, this is, this is terrible, but William Barclay talked about how that the fathers in Rome had, and he gives the Latin name, which means the power of the father. A Roman father had absolute power over his family, his wife, and his children. He could sell his children as slaves. He could make them work in the fields, even in chains. He could take the law into his hands and kill his child. He could punish them as he liked. And the power of the Roman father extended over the child's whole life. As long as the father lived, a Roman son never came of age till the father died. Have you heard about child repudiation? Roman fathers had the right of repudiation to their child, their children. A newborn would be placed before the father. If he turned or if he stooped and picked up the child, He was raised, or she was raised as his. If he turned away, the child would be rejected. The child would be discarded. Maybe even left out in the elements to die. But they were usually picked up by traffickers, those who would go around and take the children and either sell them to slaves or sell them to houses of prostitution, brothels. William Barclay says that one Roman father wrote to his wife from Alexandria concerning the child that was to be born. He was not there, but he says, Good luck to you. You, when you have the child, if it's a boy, let it live. If it's a girl, throw it out. They had 
the right of rejection. And many did not want to have females. They wanted males. And we see a devaluing of life. Children, what a precious gift. And for a Roman to reject that gift that God had given. The children that we receive, thank God for those gifts God has given to us. I want you to notice the second thing. We, we see children in verse number one. Now here, I want you to see the command to obey. The command for children to obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Colossians says this is well-pleasing. The ultimate authority is not parental. The ultimate authority is divine. God is the ultimate authority. But we are to treasure, we are to protect, we are to care for the ones that we raise in our home, our children, or maybe even an adopted child. And those children are commanded to obey your parents in the Lord. This command comes not only from natural law, even in this natural world, even in the unsaved world, it's understood by culture and society in different people, groups around the world, that children are subservient to the parents. The children don't wag the dog, so to speak. The parents, they are in control. They are the ones who give the directions. And the children are to be obedient. That's in natural law. If you go back to the book of Romans chapter number 1 where it's talking about those that have rejected God and those who have, and you know, God gives them over, God gives them up. And you go down to verse number 30 or 31, it says, given all of these details of how people live that have rejected God, and one of the key ones is disobedient to parents. When you throw off God and his word and his laws, of course you're going to have children who will be rebels. Children that will get to a certain age, they think that I know better than my parents. I am more with it. You know, in society, I, I'm, they're not with it. They are old fogies or they don't understand how things are in our day and time. But they rebel. They do not command, they do not obey the command, even in natural law. 
But we know that this command is not from natural law. This command is from divine law. This is God's law. This is the fifth commandment. Looking at the Ten Commandments, let's say this is the Ten Commandments I'm holding in my hands. This table of the Ten Commandments, this is what we are to do toward God. We are to worship Him. We're not to have false. Uh, we're not to have false gods, images, and so forth. We we are to. This is on the first tablet, and then on this side of the law, it talks about our relationship, man to man, or people to people. The first few commandments, God. The next few commandments others now in the christian realm in the christian mindset many christians think that the first four commandments are on this tablet and then the next six commandments are on this tablet beginning with honor your mother and your father and then on down six but not in the Jewish mindset. The Jewish mindset said the first five commandments are on the first table. Because a relationship to parents is in essence relationship to God. You disobey your parents, you are disobeying the one who gave the law, you're disobeying God. So the Jewish law says the first five commandments are here, which the fifth one is children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We're to honor our parents, obey our parents. So the divine law, the Ten Commandments, written with the finger of God there on Mount Sinai, God says to honor your father and your mother. That means to obey your father and your mother. Submit to your father and your mother. In verse number one, the word obey. Do you know what the word obey means? Do you know the etymology of the word obey? Where it came from? We all would say, oh, I know what obey means. But it comes from two Greek words. It comes from under and listen. To listen under authority. You ever told your kids, listen to me, what I'm telling you. Under authority, obey. There is one above us that we are under that's what the word obey the command to obey is the subservient is to obey the higher that is the parents so children obey your parents in the lord 
For this is right. This is well-pleasing. This is what is to be expected. Now, notice the third thing from our text here in verse number 2. This is the law to honor. There's the law to honor our parents. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Honoring is basically attitude. You have an attitude that I show honor to my parents, my father and my mother. Doesn't matter how old you get or I get, we show honor. But you don't know my mom and dad. You don't know. I understand. All of us didn't come from the same households, and some have come through uh, terrible predicaments with parents. But the word of God says, honor. You don't have to agree with honor. Yes, they might be wrong in umpteen things. Honor. That's an attitude. Children, obey your parents, but also honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise attached to it. Many times in dealing with our children, or maybe your past dealings with your children, the main thing you had trouble with it was attitude. Attitude. They might would respond with the necessary response, but the attitude stunk. The attitude was disrespectful. But we humans, we like to say, well, I did what I was supposed to do. But, yeah, what attitude did you do it? If you did it begrudgingly, if you did it disrespected, disrespectful, your attitude was not right and did not honor in whatever situation might be upon us, we are not following God's word. We are going against God's law. We are to honor our mothers and our fathers. Mothers and fathers in the last generation or so have been treated bad by many in our society. They've not honored their parents. When you go to a nursing home, you find a lot of desperate people. And when you ask some about their children, oh, yes, I've got children. 
but they've not seen them in a long while. Go to a nursing home. It's a, it can be heartbreaking. And I understand that sometimes we have to put our loved ones in a nursing home. We're not able to take care of them ourselves. But some, for convenience, put them off on somebody else. Do you think that's honoring our parents? Well, there's one more thing that I want you to see, and that's the promise. The promise that is spoken here. The promise that we can enjoy. Verse 3, that it may go well with you. That you may live long in the land. There's two things that are promised here. This is a general promise. Yes, there are children who have died young who were obedient, honoring children. And you say, well, God didn't keep his promise here. This is a general promise that a person who does what God says will be blessed and will have quality of life. You see the words in verse 3, go well with you, that speaks of quality of life. That you may live long in the land, that's quantity of life. The general rule, just like you find in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is not a book of promises. The book of Proverbs is a book of principles. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Some have said that that's a promise. No, that is not a promise. That is a principle that we Train up a child in the way it should go, and generally speaking, they will not depart from it. But here, this is a promise. This is a promise, the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you. Turning your, your Bible back to Proverbs just for a moment. Let's just look at a couple of verses before we close this morning. Proverbs chapter number 4. And all through the Proverbs you'll find uh, things about father, son, parent-child relationships. And these are principles. Proverbs 4. Look at verse number 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. And it goes on down. But look at verse number 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words 
that the years of your life may be many. What is the writer of Proverbs saying here? That when we listen to our parents and listen to the authorities, generally speaking, our lives will not be cut short. Look there at chapter 10 of Proverbs, chapter 10 and verse number 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Generally speaking, those who fear the Lord, live according to God's word, live according to God's laws, are obedient to their parents and to the authorities in their life, they tend to live longer than those who are wicked. And those who are wicked have generally shorter lives because of they destroy their bodies and they take chances and so on and so forth. The principle is true. T- turn to the last chapter 30. Chapter 30, next to the last chapter of Proverbs. Here is something that is spoken about the parents and the child and the children being rebellious. Proverbs 30, verse 17, The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. Now this is not saying that everybody who has been disobedient, this is going to happen to them, but it speaks of the situation in Bible times that when a person who is judged and a person who is thrown out or a person who is discarded or a person who is left to die, the ravens, that's not crows, ravens, a whole lot bigger than a crow, and some of them are massive, But the first thing they do to something that is laying there is they pick at its eye first to see if it moves. And they pick the eyes out of the dead and are eaten by vultures. So it's talking here in verse 17 about, say, a teenager's eye. With their eyes, they mock their parents. They scorn to obey their mother. Here he's saying that those eyes will be eaten by vultures. The point is, we can be judged or we can live a life of relative prosperity and health and so forth in life. Even those that are unsaved who have been obedient And have not fought against authorities. They tend to live longer. 
But here is a promise that children, if you obey your parents in the Lord, honor your mother and your father. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. R.C. Sproul said that concerning the command to obey, the rendering of obedience to one's parents is not simply a social convention, but it is a duty that is to be rendered to God. I obey my parents. I'm obeying God. So important did God deem this particular duty of mankind that he included it in the Ten Commandments. The foundation of the law for the nation Israel. The respect that children are to give their parents is essential for a well-ordered society. For the stability of the home. And for the development of discipline and character in children. This is the word of God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. But this is right. Let's pray. Parents, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I obeying the Lord? I expect my children to obey me. Am I obeying my Heavenly Father? Am I walking according to His precepts that He has laid out? Or am I bucking them? Am I rebellious toward His word? But yet I want my kids to obey me and honor me. We sow the seeds of disobedience when we are seen by our children not obeying the Bible, not obeying the Lord's house, the Lord's uh, leaders, the Lord's authorities. Used to, at the school, parents would not go against the teacher or the coach. But always turned around these days. You can tell the spirit of rebellion in the adults, in the parents, by the way they treat authority. Oh God, may we, may me, 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 may I honor you, may I obey you, may I be submissive, as the scripture here tells us, if we're filled with the Spirit, if we're controlled by the Spirit, we will be obedient. Submissive. I pray for our young people. I pray for their salvation. One.
proof or one evidence of salvation in young people is their attitudes toward their parents, obeying their parents. Not saying that a young person that believes that they're saved doesn't ever uh, not obey their parents or not honor them. Yes, we all, that's a sin that we all can probably say, yes, I've done that, even as a saved person. But we can't live like that day in, day out, day in, day out, day in and day out. Oh, I pray for the salvation of our children. I pray for the salvation of each person in this room. Repent and believe the gospel. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Will you one day be standing before the Lord and he says, Depart from me, I never knew you. You said, but I I was a member of the church. And I... And you start thinking about all, listing all the things that you've done. Depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, may you examine yourself and make sure of your salvation. If we can help you, please come and see me. Right after we close, I'll be here at the front. If anybody wants to set up an appointment for us to talk, Whatever the case might be, come and see me. Let's quietly stand to our feet and sing this closing song. It points to the Lord, it points to the cross. Let's sing together. Oh, man.
available to you. It was there by faith. I received my sight. speaks about what's future coming, what future is going to happen. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's have just a moment, a few seconds of silence. And when you hear the music, the service is dismissed. Be back tonight at 6 o'clock.